What's up, guys and girls? It's Bobby. And Sean. And we are back. Back, 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 backish, back. Kind of back. Somewhat back. Mostly back. Free Sunday. Got to do it. Yeah. Got to take advantage of the Sundays when we can. Um, I got to say, I'm surprised uh, after reading the news in Seattle, I thought I was going to see like the background of a burnt out fentanyl camp um, and some fires there. But I guess you're far enough away from the hospital scene that you're not impacted. It's pretty wild. I don't know exactly where that uh, the homeless camp is. Because like, when we go to Harborview, which is like the, uh, or the county hospital in Seattle, it's like the... Uh, you know, like the sanctuary hospital or whatever. It takes like all the homeless people or whatever. When we drive up to Harborview, right off I-5, which is like the main corridor, you can see it like it on like a hill, this homeless camp. Uh, but, but for those that don't know, last week there was like an explosion uh, in this homeless fentanyl camp. Apparently there was like a drug turf war going on. And there's a bunch of like IEDs that like blew up and set like the woods on fire. Pretty wild. Uh, but it's uh it's pretty bad up here, it's, and it's been pretty bad for the last couple of years. I remember when I showed up here, um, back in like 2020, and they still had the Chaz Chop thing going on. Remember that? Oh, I remember that. Yeah, the free autonomous zone, right? Yeah, the Capitol Hill autonomous zone, um, Chaz, if you will. But uh, I remember talking to some of the residents that were up at Harborview, because uh, when we are up at Harborview, we typically work on the trauma service. Um, they used to do what they would call chop drops. When people would get shot in the chop, they would just drop them off Damn. the hospital and they'd have to like take care of them. So. That's got to be terrifying. I mean, you look at some of the cities around the country, like the Jewel of California, San Francisco isn't looking too hot. New York City is bursting at the seams. And whether or not like crimes have gone up, I know they, they were generally down because of COVID. So it's hard to really, I think, conceptualize whether they've actually gone up or whether they're just getting back to the pre-COVID, you know, normal rates. But it definitely doesn't bode well for the big cities and people wanting to move there and businesses wanting to come there. And I think in the alternative, you see a lot of businesses leaving and heading for states like Texas and Florida, where they have an idea that there might be more um, law and order and, and, uh, some sureties in, in their ability to, to turn profit. I don't know if it's like so much uh, that, I don't know, because like, I think all, well, you know, a lot of major cities are going to be like more liberal leaning and whatnot. But I also think some of that fleeing from the large cities is also related to like, um, <laughs> like cost of living too. Oh, for sure. It's, it's unreal how expensive the cities are. I just know that, uh, what was it? There's a, so Walgreens, I don't know why my algorithm on YouTube has me set like in Portland. It, it for some reason thinks I live there. So I get morning news from Portland on YouTube. And one of the ones they recently did was uh, of the 9,000 Walgreens stores, this one in Portland in particular is robbed something like 12 times a day, uh, which just blows everything. Everything is behind lock and key there including the frozen section, your basic necessities. Like, I don't know if, if you just lived around the corner, going there would be such a huge inconvenience just to pick up some normal products that you would generally get from a CVS, a Walgreens, a Rite Aid. And it, it would seem like very annoying if I all I wanted to do was get some toothpaste and then I've got to go ask uh, a store clerk to, you know, unlock it from six, six deadbolts and 
wires and mine obstacles. Yeah, do you remember going to like San Francisco last year and then like having to do the same thing? I was like, I needed razors and like everything was locked up and it was like a real pain in the ass trying to find somebody to get razors. Yeah. I mean, and then, I mean, it just have, it doesn't help though with cost of living. So you've, you've got a huge homeless crisis across the country. I don't know if it's, if it's on house crisis, homeless crisis, whatever, you know, we're playing semantics at this point, but if the cost of living is so high in these areas and these individuals are proactively looking for a job or part of the labor force, it would be impossible for them on those wages, regardless to be able to live in those cities. Like the only people that can afford to live in San Francisco, I think the, the average price home there for a you know mid-sized family home is like $1.2 million. I don't know of very many salaries that could allow a family either on one income or even two incomes to afford that outside of being like a senior tech executive um, at one of the, the Silicon Valley type establishments. Yeah, I think like, well, aren't like most of these cities also have like a, you know, funded like... Um housing project or housing don't they like they like build up housing developments for like unhomed people is that the correct term the, well they do and they also have lottery systems where they have affordable housing options in the same apartment buildings that you know an individual would be paying full price for say like six thousand dollars a month maybe you know th- this couple or this individual is only paying 12 and i could be wildly off on on the actual prices there um, but the issue is when the city does establish that they want to build some of the low-cost, affordable housing, you have a lot of individuals in neighborhoods that put up a huge fight and try to block it. Um, I think, was it is it Seth Curry that plays for the Warriors or Steph Curry? Steph Curry. Um, I remember seeing an article a while ago where he wanted to prevent like the building of, of a new apartment complex or low low house, low um, affordable cost like apartments in his area in his backyard because it, it, it it'll detract from the value of um, you know neighboring property so that's a huge issue there is a really cool I don't say cool it's not a cool um, piece but a number of years ago I think it was the New York Times did a big analysis of major cities and while they stand for one thing and say listen we want to make it so that everyone has the ability to earn a living here and live in the city because most of the people that work here are not earning, you know, six figures plus, um, are also some of the hardest cities to, to get things passed and approved to do, um, affordable housing. And so it's kind of like, you know, you got a bunch of hypocrites that are in office saying, no, we want to do one thing. But as soon as you say, well, okay, let's approve the construction of this facility in the neighborhood of, um, you know, multi-million dollar homes and all of a sudden it comes to a dead end because the individuals that run their campaigns and that are funding them are saying like, absolutely not find a different place. Yeah. It's like, uh, you want to do these things, but just not in my backyard. Yeah. Well, I think was it, there's a, I think it's the not my backyard crowd or something in Aspen or Vail, one of those like bougie ski towns, the people that actually work and run those locations cannot even live there. And then when they do have an opportunity to build, all of a sudden you see multimillionaires coming out of the woodworks going, well, technically you can't build there because there's protected sheep that graze here for two months out of the year. And so we, we can't do it. And so you're just running out of real estate. And eventually you're going to have people that can't provide work in like services industries because it's not going to be economically viable to 
pay whatever, 12 or $16 to cross the Golden State Bridge or to go through the Holland Tunnel or the Lincoln Tunnels or take the path into New York City um, to work these jobs because you know 50% of their paycheck is either going to absurd living costs um, or the, the expense of getting into the city just makes it uh, unfeasible. Mm-hmm. I had actually a pretty interesting discussion with one of my friends the other day, actually yesterday. We were talking about like... Um, he was saying that, uh, you know, in light of like this housing crisis and like homeless crisis and drug problems, you know, he posited uh, like it makes you wonder if, uh, you know, we put too much emphasis on civil liberties and like freedom and civil liberties and freedom here, a personal freedom and compare and contrast that with all of Asian countries like, you know, in like Korea or Vietnam, a lot of these countries that are a little bit don't necessarily have the same like homeless prices, homeless problems or like drug problems because their their governments are more stringent and, um, you know, more controlling of the personal liberties people like in China too. Right. Um, so you like posted like this, you know, hypothetical, like, would you accept, you know, giving up some civil liberties and personal liberties and personal freedom for, you know, having cleaner streets, more, you know, less drugs, things like that. I thought it was a pretty interesting thought, you know, thought experiment, you know, would you like essentially trade, you know, some of our freedom for like a more totalitarian slash authoritarian slash fascist society to have like. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure that's like it's kind of like the same argument that you would people would say of like the USSR. Oh, look, everyone has, you know, these giant gray structured buildings. Everyone's got a place to live. Everyone's got a guaranteed job. And I think when we look at the civil liberties piece, it's like what civil liberties are actually being infringed upon. Um, if it comes to like living and defecating and doing drugs in an open space, well, that, that's not, you know, a protected liberty regardless. I think the liberty interests would be how strict is our interpretation of the laws and then what is going to be the sentence. And so if, if you have a very liberal idea of how the justice system works, you might say, listen, like, Yes, this person broke the law, but instead of punishing them for breaking the law, we should look to fix and right the ship and identify the reason why they're in this position. And so that's why you have a lot of issues. Again, I'm getting my news out of Portland now. So to use Portland as an example, they interviewed a bunch of the residents uh, who are having issues selling their their homes. Um, The real estate market in the last couple of years obviously skyrocketed and people had an opportunity to make a lot of money you know, their house is going up 40% over a three-year period, and they cannot sell these homes. And the first thing they do when the reporters are going to the homes and saying, hey, what would you like done? They're saying, listen, the city needs to do something. Get rid of these people. And then there's always a but, and the but is, but they need to have something set up or a system set up to to help with the mental health crisis. So there's there's always like a shifting of the narrative. I, I don't think it's so much of a we need the big government to come in and curtail civil liberties. I think it's more we need the government to come in and hold people accountable. If you've gotten into a position like this, then you, you need to say, yes, there, some of that onus is on me. But you can't always you know, shift blame and, and say, oh, it's, it's because I didn't receive the necessary uh, help at my last job. And so I was, you know, summarily fired or I'm battling addiction. Yes, that's bad. But 
in the grand scheme of things, it's it's strange that America seems to be the only country that has a huge, at least, uh, you know, media reported uh, uh, mental health addiction or mental health crisis. I don't feel like we see in any other country, especially developing nations and third world countries, anyone's talking about mental health down there because people are working as hard as they can to put whatever they can in front of their their children to feed them, to clothe them, to house them. And so I think maybe some of this, the kind of like the, the victim mentality of not taking accountability for being in some of these positions might stem from the fact that America right now is on the, the spectrum on the that side going, okay, well, we're going to take care of them regardless. It's not their fault. And I think accountability is probably the bigger thing that we need to take as the, the root issue rather than you know, the civil liberties piece. Well, how do you like, uh, like go back and like write this ship then? Like, you know, there's so many people, homeless people, like, you know, I was driving home the other from the hospital. It's like four people in the, in the street corner, just smoking fentanyl in public. But like, how do yeah. you like re- write it now? You know, it's been like, it seems like there's so much, um, impetus and momentum behind like these homeless people. Like every like couple of weeks, like people, all the cops here will like clear our homeless camps here, but they only pop back like, a week later. Oh, yeah, it's terrible. I mean, it, it. I feel like that's something that the citizens always say, and like we would do it right now. Like, well, who's supposed to solve this? And you're like, oh, well, the politicians will figure this out. The people in, in positions of power that can write laws will figure it out. And it's like, well, most of those people are us. So, like, what should we do? I think the hardest part is we already have the largest mass incarceration nation out there. Um, and as, as much as people are like, listen, uh, marijuana violations 10 years ago, 20 years ago, while they wouldn't be prosecuted today, were violations of the law then. So we can't really say that, you know, that record should be expunged or those people should be let out of prison. But I think someone has to make a significant effort to reduce the amount of people that are in jail right now to make room for other people that are actually breaking the law in a way and in, in modern times that we say is completely wrong. Um, so if, if marijuana crimes are looked at as like, you know, kind of just misdemeanors at this point, a slap on the wrist, maybe a civil fine or are completely illegal, every single person in jail, for instance, in California, that's there because of marijuana charges. So long as it's not like some, there's not a, a, a violent, uh, charge connected to that conviction should be let out. And then when you have people that are committing theft, that are stealing a thousand dollars worth of products from store A, B and C in a single day, knowing that, you know, that local liberal DA might not prosecute them, then those people are the ones that go into jail. And so you make it so that instead of people thinking, oh, I'm going to get away with this because I'm under, under a certain dollar threshold, they, okay, accountability is going to kick in. I'm going to be held accountable. I'm going to go to jail. This is a dumb idea. I should do something else. But when you're incentivizing people to break the law by not prosecuting them for those, you know, uh, violations, then, you know, you're, you're never going to get ahead of the game. People just, there has to be, I think, a, almost a, a, an element of fear. You have to fear your government to an extent. You, you know, maybe don't trust the government. You should also fear them a bit because they're the ones that can say what is right and wrong. And at the end of the day, you know, if you know the, the justice system, looking at the Supreme Court as more conservative, you're probably going to have a, a, a harder time if, if it were ever to reach that level mm-hmm. um, in, in staking a claim to be let go. I wonder if, uh, how do you think about this idea? Like, you know, back in the 60s and 70s, they had the idea of like uh, deinstitutionalization. So like, you know, in like the 60s and 70s, they used to like institutionalize like people with mental illnesses, you know, drug problems or whatever. 
I wonder if like that we should go back to those kind of days because clearly a lot of the homeless people have like mental issues, right? So instead of like sitting in prison, maybe we should send them to like a mental institution where they get treatment and are forced to be there. But like, would that like be like a civil liberties and like personal freedom, like infringement on personal rights if they're institutionalized for like mental illnesses? Yeah, I mean, it, it certainly could be, especially if it's the state saying that you have to be here, you have to be in the psychiatric hospital. And then all of a sudden you're going to have a potential for a lot of claims against um, these county, state, excuse me, municipality run um, mental health installations because, you know, people are likely to be injured, whether you're working there or whether you are a visitor or a guest or um, or I say a guest in the loosest terms, if you're you're required to be there. But that is something that, you know, maybe you look back in history and say, listen, the the 1800s and 1900s kind of era of these insane asylums that today we we look at and it's kind of horrific to see how patients were treated. It's like, listen, I think modern medicine has come a long way, but there are some people that need to to have a a closer eye um, and more attention paid to them. We have um, practices and develop techniques in order to treat some of these symptoms. Um, you know, restraints is something that comes up a lot and whether you are restrained against your will, like what, what that means. And then it also looks at society. It says like, is restraining this person and limiting some of their liberties um, in, you know, the, the, what is that? Uh, what's that economics uh, term where it's for the greater good? I don't know. I guess, I guess for the group. Yeah. Uh, but you know, is that, is that something that we're willing to tolerate as a, as a culture? And I think the reason why we're not is because we really, I mean, you, everyone that's watched the news, um, we kind of look at these small groups in America and they become significantly larger, even though, you know, they, they don't, they're not 99.999% of the population. The narrative now focuses and shifts to just a 0.0001, you know, minority population in the United States. And that, that drives, and then is used to, used to, to, you know, kind of fear monger, um, you know, politics today, instead of just saying like, listen, this is the problem or, or these are the people and their concerns and this is how we can address it. It's like, it, it gets, you know, expanded well beyond what the actual issue may be. Um, so long story short, I think we need to see a significant effort into developing mental health resources. And I think that might mean the state being a little bit more proactive and, and, and creating safe spaces where people can get the necessary help and then having resources once they get out of these places um, to stay on track and, and do the right thing. But as of right now, it kind of just seems like what you were saying, oh, they're going through a mental health thing. We don't want to interrupt them, but they're going to be shooting up near you know, an elementary school because they're going through something, but we don't want to be too harsh on them. Um, it seems like, you know, the larger population is paying the price for that rather than, you know, trying to figure out, um, you know, how maybe liberating one person's freedom, uh, you know, preserves more. So as like, a, I guess from a legal perspective, would that construct be, you know, acceptable from a legal standpoint of like limiting somebody's freedom for the greater good type of thing? I mean, I think it already is in some instances. You, you see people where they, if they've been arrested, um, they may be at a, a, a county psychiatric hospital, you know, to seek treatment, but they're also, you know, under restraints or, um, 
a lot of jails now have um, the capacity to bring in psychiatrists and psychotherapists in order to to help individuals get through um, you know whatever their their conviction was for if it had a um, uh, uh, kind of like one of those trademark mental health um, nexuses but I don't think it would be so outlandish it would definitely be a likely unconstitutional if you were like, oh, we're just throwing everyone in this giant gray sci-fi channel type building where, you know, 50 years from now we're like, oh my God, ghost hunters are coming in. You know, like this person was locked up and ice bathed for six hours a day, you know, something out of the Wolfman um, or one of those old like horror movies. Yeah, because it seems like, you know, a lot of the, you know, a lot of homeless people obviously are committing crimes, but it seems like a lot of these crimes are like, you know unprosecuted unpunished but compared i feel like it'd be wouldn't be difficult to you know actually prosecute and you know go after a lot of the homeless and drug users with the, and then instead of putting them in prison put them in like the psychiatric institution i feel like that'd be like a very not difficult way to like justify that no sure but then you'll have citizens going why should my tax dollars go to that mm. uh i think California has looked at spending 10 or 15 billion dollars to try to prevent the the homeless crisis from getting out of hand or more out of hand. But that money's coming from taxpayers. And it kind of goes to people saying, "Well, what are we paying for?" and, you know, following where their their taxes go every single year, you'll probably find a lot of things you don't want to pay for. And it it kind of should be, you know, determinative of who you maybe want to vote for um, and that kind of uh, fiscal accountability. But at the end of the day, it's like, again, people say they want to do the right thing. And then when it comes to them actually spending the money to do it, it's like a different story. But yeah, it's a huge economic and financial uh, drain to talk about, like, because of the gravity of where we are uh, in some of these states with the, the mental health crisis and homelessness kind of going hand in hand, something drastic has to be done. Um, I think you can probably compare that to like the immigration reform in the country. Something drastic has to happen. Like we can't just continue to put a bandaid on it. You can't just continue to say, oh, you know, we've built uh, for the homeless crisis again, uh, 600 new like shed trailer type things that can fit a single person to get them off the street. Oh, that, that's 600 beds. That's awesome. But you're also, you know, averaging like two extra or new homeless or unhoused persons every single day in your area. So you're creating, you're creating a little bit of space on the street that's being taken up by two more people than left. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, it, you need some some drastic action here. And I, I don't think anyone on either side of the political aisles is willing to take it because, you know, on one hand, you have uh, a, a liberal, a very liberal uh, government that says we want to do everything we can, but you don't want to restrict that person's civil liberties. And then on the other hand, you have re- Republicans that are like, we're not spending a dollar for this, but don't offer any other solutions other than like ship them out of the country type thing. Like I've not heard a single Republican official ever come up with a quality solution to either immigration or, um, or to the homeless crisis that would do anything to, 
to solve the issue at hand. It's like, yes, stop it right here. It stops today. We have no more illegal immigration, for instance. Okay, well, we have, what, 12 million, 20 million individuals living in this country that are undocumented. Like, you have to create a pathway for citizenship. And then when it gets to that point, they're like, we don't want to talk about it anymore. It's like both sides are going to have to eat some crow to come together. And, and that's where, again, we talked, you know, for years now about the extreme polarization of of politics in the country like there's a middle point you just have to get to it and and not be a jerk to recognize that when are you uh when are you gonna run for your office john <laughs> with these tattoos i don't know man and and uh, i think i'm gonna uh, uh alienate a lot of people with the next thing that i want to talk about what do you think of lions not sheep shirts I saw someone wearing it in Costco the other day and like I had like a visceral just like, oh, oh, I cannot believe I hate, I hate, hate like Dodge Ram drivers. I guarantee you have about five or six T-shirts that say lions, not sheep. Are they sheepdog type thing? Yeah, I can't. It just like and the people that are always wearing it, like you can picture them in your head at no point in your life. Would you ever say like when a conflict arises? Thank goodness that person's here in this instance right now. Like this person's going to stop whatever that issue is. Oh, there's a terrorist attack. Where is he? Lions, not sheep guys charging the way. That's him. Like he's, he's our, you know, he's our savior. Like nobody's ever thought that. So when I see people wearing these shirts, I'm just like, what, what prompted you to wear that? Like what, what do you expect? Cause you get dressed. You want to look good in public. What did you think people were going to do when they see that shirt? Like, oh, wow. You know, here. Yeah, we do. What? Look at this patriot. Like, you know, he would have taken all of Cornwallis's army at Yorktown by himself. Just give him an AR-15 and like a badass duck call, uh, and and he's gonna just you know wipe the redcoats off the off the Virginia Peninsula. Like, there's no way anyone's gonna get away from this guy. Like, I just <laughs> I don't every single I there's some fashion trends out there that I just do not get. The sheepdog, lions, not sheep, is just one of them. That's my neighbor. Although he was an Air Force veteran, he's a nice guy, but clearly like a little weird, little weird guy. He wears like a veteran hat, like an OIF hat. One of those. Oh, guys. dude, I'll absolutely start wearing that. A couple years from now, when it's more trendy, I promise you, I'm gonna wear a GWAT hat. <laughs> <laughs> Which, they used to not not to push what they've got at uh, PXs. At a number of PXs I've been to, they make some really nice GWAT hats, like. The, the, not the kind of like weird ones that you, I think always associate with like the ribbon rack mm-hmm. of, of like service or the, you know, from the conflict itself, but like the world war two on the trucker style, like with that, that rounded giant emblem. Um, I would absolutely rock that. Not now, but like in, I don't know, maybe 10 back, years or so years. I could see myself like backwards though, like snap back, you know, backwards G watt vet. I don't know. You're talking about like fashion trends you can't get behind snapback snapback g-watt hat i mean you could i don't know why that's not been put into a rap yet bring lil wayne back he'll make a really sick uh, verse with that and and again you know he was a a, a huge uh rapper during the g-watt era so like if anyone could restart that that career and and get that trend off the ground it's wheezy so if you're listening wheezy Come on, uh, please. Come on the podcast first. <laughs> come, on, come on, do it. No, yeah, no. come on the podcast first, and then we'll talk about the the rights to the uh, GWAT snapback hat um, trademark copyright patent pending. Did you see the uh, the whole ACFT thing about in the NDAA? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm like I'm torn on it because we talked about how 
the ACFT is a is a relatively good standard. Um, the weights are pretty low and pathetic, but the test itself can be challenging and I think has more of a of a whole body uh, feel to it than the APFT. But I feel like the reason we're getting away from the ACFT is the fact that it takes so long to um, do a single iteration of it. And then honestly, I I think um, they're probably seeing like a, a huge issue uh, with new recruits coming in and, and failing more of the tests than, okay, they can only fail three. Okay. Instead of like 12. Okay. Let's just keep it simple. Yeah. I wonder if like, um, cause I, obviously there's a huge like retention issue and recruiting issue right now. Do you think a lot of it stems from that physical fitness side or is more so our, you know, youth are just not interested in being, you know, institutionalized? I think it's it's both. We have an incredibly obese population. I think 50% of adults in the country are obese. Something like 30 or 40% of military-aged uh, recruits are overweight. You don't have gym classes anymore in a lot of schools that you know, actually will fail someone for running the mile in under like 15 minutes or something like as an example when we were growing up. But you also have an issue with pay. And, um, you know, anyone that has been in that's gotten out knows that you can make significantly more out of the army than you can in. And so there needs to be some way to incentivize people to want to join. And I think a lot of people still join because they're patriots. They they have a family member that served. But there was a report that came out a couple of weeks ago, I think after we did our podcast, that uh, a lot of veterans are really hesitant to let their children join because they don't like the direction that the, the Army, the Navy, the Marines are taking. And I think the Marines are actually the only branch that's not had like a huge retention um, and or recruiting problem. Um, and so I think a lot of it also goes to messaging. The Marines are still advertising that awesome They've not changed their uniforms in what two hundred some odd years. Like and it's still that awesome, nice looking dress uniform. The army's like constantly changing the uniform. It looks like crap. Like just stick with one. Don't change it again. Like nobody cares on your OER bullet fifty years from now that you changed it from OCPs to ACUs to whatever the next variety is going to be. Um, I think the army just needs to go back to like Ranger SF recruiting, um, which you can. Definitely make you know uh, 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 gender representation there because you have female members in the 75th. You've had female individuals pass SFAS, so that 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 completely gets rid of that argument that oh, it's not you know advertising to a, a subset of the population, but it needs to be a badass recruiting message. You need to look at the army and go, this is a killing organization. That's what you do. Yeah, you just want to kill the other guy a lot. The Marine recruiting ads are have always been awesome i like love watching the, the marine recruiting uh, ads on tv yeah they're awesome they're sick they're bad I, I remember the one in when i was in maybe elementary school and middle school it showed a guy um killing dragon. like mountain climbing like no, never mind. what because oh, it showed dragon. it showed a guy like mountain climbing and it was like the tom cruise mi2 and as he's getting to the top of it uh another marine reaches out grabs his hand, 
pulls him up on top of one of those giant cliffs like in Arizona, which I think is the only place in the in the country where we have those cliff faces that kind of just rise out of the desert. And then he stands up and the next thing you know, he's in his, oh, yeah. his dress blues and he takes the sword up to his face and you're like, that was badass. I thought the army was on track with that a couple years ago when they showed like Rangers in action. And then before the guy that uh, starred in like Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, um, who's that dude that he, someone like alleged that he had like sexually assaulted them. And I think it's come out that like, that wasn't the case, but regardless, the army pulled all of the commercials and that, that commercial series had like, you know, images of D day images of people showing up for the first time at basic. And it was like a historical representation of everything that the army has done and where it's going. Like that was a cool, badass campaign to, to get people to join. It's like, I don't know what we're doing now. Just show artillery pieces going off, show dudes doing free fall, uh, you know, show combat divers getting out of the water, like, you know, Navy SEALs, who's going to carry the boat hashtag, uh, you know, but don't make it. What's your warrior? Like, yeah. Sigint or, you know, you can be a cook in the army. Those, those people have their roles, but if the army is a combat organization, show combat, don't show me all of the stuff that, you know, gets the bullets to fly with supply. Like I just want to see combat. Yeah, it's like every other branch has kind of gotten it. Like in the, you know, the Navy, their advertisements are all for either like pilots, like flying, or like SEALs. The Air Force is similar. It's like you have pilots. Or giant fleets. Yeah, or fleets. Or like a, a fleet shot. Like Lame. that is the most. Lame. I mean, it's, it is, but it's powerful. Like yeah. when you, sh when you see an entire fleet going of two or three aircraft carriers, some battleships, destroyers, cruisers, and a submarine leading the way, and it pans out, you're like, nobody's going to mess with us. And then you show the army and it's like, I, cook. I was really into umbrella technology as a child. And here in acquisitions, I get to make parachutes like cool. I was really into quartermaster or I don't even know what ordinance. I, I don't even know. Like, see, that's what I don't know. And I don't care. Like it should just be, Oh, I jumped out of a plane. Cause I was so into umbrellas. I used to jump off my house with an umbrella and I broke my leg twice, but here I am 82nd go. Like, that's the commercial you need. Yeah, like the Air Force has good commercials, too, now. Or it's like, you know, you fly or you're, you know, a PJ. A PJ. That's it. Yeah. The, the Air Force has more combat-oriented commercials than the Army does. Like, it does not make... The Navy is more combat-focused. Like, branches that have had the least amount of combat exposure in the last 20 years somehow have the most combat-oriented advertisements uh, over the branches that, that actually do it. Yeah, I'm looking at the recruiting numbers right now. It looks like uh, we are... I'm looking to look at this. I think the Army is having the worst one because it seems like the other branches are doing better in terms of recruitment. Oh, they also have a, a better opportunity when they get out of the military. Like, think of the skills that you, you have in the Army. I think the Army is phenomenal. I... I've had my undergrad and my postgrad paid for. Like the most kind of privileged educational experience probably anywhere in the world that like cannot thank the military enough and for what I got to experience for eight years. But outside of like using the GI Bill, if I just gotten out of the army, like what skills would I really have brought as like an infantry officer to like corporate America? Uh, other than like, you know, twice a year in November and July, like 
bringing me to a meeting and go, oh, like, look, we've got a veteran. Check that block. It's not like the Navy who you're, you're managing a system or the Air Force. The vast majority of people in the Air Force aren't flying, but they are so logistics heavy that you are someone that when you get out, people are going to say, hey, supply chain issues, like it's, it's only increased in the last 20 years. We need this person to come in. How did you sequence and organize all of these different components that got that plane off the ground and got it to Qatar, then got it to Afghanistan, like got it back to Germany in a 36 hour period? How did you do that? What did you do? How did you train? Like that's practical. Oh, you were in the Navy, like complex systems, technology, hands on. But I feel like most of the Army is still kind of like rudimentary compared to all of that. You might have more soldiers, more responsibility. It might be an increase in, in danger and combat exposure, but like you're going to get out and you're just like, I was in more shape than every other branch out there, but it's kind of it. Yeah. But I, do you think that, uh, you know, like in terms of like as officers, especially like combat, like infantry officers, uh, getting out, I feel like a lot of them still have pretty good jobs though. Like, well, they all go get, I mean, I feel like most infantry officers that get out and the reason why I didn't want to get uh, an MBA is because every single one of them goes and gets an MBA right. uh, because they all, for the most part, you know, infantry qualified officers, almost all of them are ranger qualified. And so you'll get into like a top five MBA program. Um, you'll do two years kind of reset and then you'll just work as like a consultant somewhere um, doing finance, as They say, it's like, I didn't want to do that. Uh, but that's pretty like I feel like some t- career though. Like it's not, I mean, it's a decent career. I mean, but like the, you're like, there's a, there's a certain threshold that you're never really going to get above because I feel like a lot of the MB, what the MBA does is it, it might help you catch up to like three or four years of a civilian who like was working in the industry or like looking at what the MBA curriculums are really. It's like your third and fourth year at an undergrad. If you were getting a finance degree or you're doing supply chain, like you're just kind of, getting a reintroduction to those subjects that you might have already had in undergrad and then you went into the army. So like you get ahead a little bit right there with it, but at the end of the day that it's like, you're kind of just kind of just put into this meat grinder of like, okay, basic consulting, you know, I got to meet my numbers. I've got to build this Excel sheet. I've got to push this product. I, like, I don't look at the MBA as offering something that like will distinguish you now. Mm. Um, because so many people are going back to school to get it. It's like literally why I looked at, okay, I had the GI Bill. I'll go to school for an extra year to get a degree that is slightly different um, than something that, you know, everyone seemed to be going to get, especially during COVID. It was like, oh, I got to go back to school. Like the job market's really, really, really cold right now. Let me find something to make myself distinguishable. And it's like, I feel like the MBA has almost become like the undergrad degree. Hmm. Yeah, I, I can see that. But I feel like that's like every industry is also like everyone everyone needs like a graduate degree to make it up though. Yeah, which is ridiculous because there are so many jobs out there. I don't think one would even require an undergrad degree, especially with with how varied undergrad has become with degree programs. Like you could get an English degree and you could be working on Wall Street. Like what did why did you need an English degree to work on Wall Street? Or, you know, to, to be a teacher, yeah, you need a degree. Did you need a master's degree to teach the third grade? Definitely not. Um, so I, I think the United States is kind of in this, like, weird loop degree of race. 
yeah, it's a degree race. We need, and that, and then you look at the, 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 the looming debt crisis with student loans. I'm about to pay back my student loans next month. I hate it. That's going to hurt so bad. <laughs> but, but at the end of the day, it's like, you know, what's the risk that you're going to take if you're, if you're going to school, if you're going to school, like you better be able to pay back a loan, um, that you're taking out for, you know, the benefit of yourself in the future. And if you're going to get some degree that maybe for four years while you're, you know, partying it up and drinking with your friends and, and having these intellectual conversations is really fun and it'll grow the way that you think. If when you graduate, nobody wants to pay you for it, that degree is worthless. Like, absolutely worthless. Yeah, it makes me kind of, uh, you know, be very uh, grateful for the fact that I have had no student loans throughout. Hoping they, uh, I still want to get, we we're talking about MBAs. I still want to get an MBA at some point. I want to get the MB, MD, MBA. You just want all the acronyms next year. No, no, no. I don't. I don't want JD. Although MD JD is gonna is a great. You, you combo. would make a killing working like patent law for um, some large scale law firms in the country. Mm-hmm. Like they they had a lot of them have like very narrow practices where you need an MD or a, or a PhD in order to even practice law in those areas. And they are very well compensated because nobody else has the technical understanding, um, to be able to sit down and look through the law and go, Oh, okay, this is, yeah, they violated this patent because this formula is technically a derivative of, you know, this doctor's formula. It's like, I wouldn't understand that. Um, I was thinking more. But so. it's, do you want to go to? I do you want to go to school for three more years? Yeah, I do want to get an MBA though. I think the army will pay for MBA. I think I get the army to pay for MBA. Um, but like, why? Like, you know, why? Why do? You, other than like learning maybe a different skill set and developing yourself and you know, you know, constantly improving. What would be the benefit of of you on of you having those kind of basic financial uh, skills so on the army side for the doctor side there's a couple of different routes that you can go you can stay in like clinical medicine you can stay and do research or you can go in the command route so in the command route you know you end up becoming like a you know 06 07 general officer type level to command like hospitals to like command like regions and like manage large like you know health networks whatever which, you know, maybe in the early career, I would definitely stay on the clinical side. But I think, like, long-term, like, after, like, you know, when I get towards the end of my career, maybe transitioning in towards the more organizational leadership side and uh, getting an MBA. That way, when I transition out, I become, like, a CFO for, like, a large, uh, you know. Well, so, like, that goes back to the, the skills that you would need in order to run, like, a large network like that. I feel like having watched some videos from like the Harvard MBA series where they bring in and and they have, you know, people from all around the world that some of them, you know, run multi-million dollar companies uh, and are now students. They say like, okay, you need to do X, Y, and Z. And you get into a group and you talk about it. Like, sure. That's like a, a great, like intellectual challenge again. But for you, if you're running a huge system like that, why wouldn't you get like a master's in supply chain management or logistics or business information systems, that would then translate, I think, more aptly than, you know, a program that's developed for someone that maybe has just only a couple years of working as a consultant, um, but it's, I don't think really going to expose you to uh, the issues of managing 6,000 uh, 
employees, a, a number of you know highly trained doctors, and then also getting medicine from point A to point B. Like I don't feel like an MBA program would develop that skill as much as like a logistics program would. Yeah, I mean, you can go like the logistics. I mean, be a logistician and do that too. But I'm trying to make money, Sean. I'm trying to be CEO here. <laughs> Fat stacks. Fat stacks. I want to be swimming in a, uh, what is it, like a tower of change that uh, Scrooge McDuck has in DuckTales. Oh, yeah. Or not, not, yeah, is that DuckTales? DuckTales. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, or, or is DuckTales the one where they're like surfing through the air behind the, what's that show I'm thinking about? Where it like opens up with a plane and then like the chipmunks get out and they're like, surfing behind it on the the wake of the plane that's not ducktails that's something else it's ducktails yeah i want a giant although that would be so painful to dive into yeah a pool of golden coins but be here though hey but if we ever if if we ever go back to uh uh some sort of financial (laughs) system where gold is valued that's that's the rich man right there yeah but i'm just thinking about like uh long-term career-wise um you know, obviously, I'm uh, interested in uh, doing CT, so cardiothoracic surgery. I think I'm kind of committed to that uh, idea. Um, but, you know, you don't want to be, you know, most people don't want to operate their entire lives and be like a surgeon for the rest of their life. So most people think about like having exit strategies when you get older in your career, having second career. Oh, sure. And such. So I'm kind of thinking about like what I don't want to do in the future in terms of what it, like, you know, if I should be like a administrator or just be a surgeon for the rest of my life. We'll see. Well, it's also like looking at like, when do you want to retire? Like I would love to be able to retire at like 64, 65. Um, uh, and so it, you know, having like no pension from the army for eight years and then going to school for another three, it's like, I feel like I'm just starting my, my life now at 33, yeah. 34, 35, um, instead of 26, uh, like most of my peers. So it's like, I have to try to stack something in. Mm-hmm. Um, thank goodness when we, we bought this house again, another benefit of joining the army, the VA loan, um, you know, for, for getting a house, uh, we were able to lock in like a super low interest rate. And so like, I have no incentive to ever sell this place mm-hmm. until the rates drop so significantly. And the, the housing like prices don't decline, um, during the same period. Like, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much, I'm a New Jersey I'm a New Jersey. I like, I got my track suit and I, I go to a local Italian bakery once a week. So, um, I'm all set. Are you going to run for office? I don't know, man. I like, you should. I'm like, I'm so I'm, I'm honestly, I'm like really disgusted by Congress at this point uh-huh. The there's so many people that go there that I have a, 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 a lot of respect for, but they're not the ones that are ever highlighted that should be highlighted mm-hmm to make change. It's, it's always, again, we're like Marjorie Taylor Greene, the amount of time that both Fox News, MSNBC, CNN have talked about her and her antics and literally hasn't brought a single thing to Congress, hasn't introduced a single piece of legislation that's gotten picked up in the same way that like AOC hasn't brought a single piece of legislation um, that's been successful on her own. Uh, it's like we have these, these firecrackers in office that are just there to, you know, make loud noise and not get anything done. Yet there are people in Congress that, like Representative Jason Crow, 
I have liked that guy since I was in Colorado when uh, he was first running out of Denver. Uh, another former infantry officer was in the 75th, um, was part of the President Trump impeachment process because he, he's, he got a JD. Um, and he was just on uh, an oversight committee looking into the withdrawal from Afghanistan. Like, that guy's sensible. Nobody's ever going to talk about you know Representative Crow being some like standout in the Democratic Party because like he he's not it's not like newsworthy. So like what point is is being in Congress even important if the important people or the people that are sensible that can bring common sense legislation to bear are just completely ignored because nobody wants to report on it. It's like I don't know. So that's why I really dislike Congress and the the fact that it's just You've got the the focus is, has turned so far away from the right thing that like I don't even know if being there could ever make a difference. Yeah, but wouldn't you? I think that you could argue that maybe that's kind of the institutional nature of Congress. They have all these old, you know, curmudgeonly politicians that have been there for decades, and then you know maybe some new blood. Oh my god! Just let's just let's pull a Mitch McConnell and Diane Feinstein right now and just stare at the camera and not do anything for fifteen seconds. This is terrible content, but <laughs> yeah, this is terrible. Con- <laughs> we got six seconds there. But I mean, yeah, like the the age. I mean, it's, like it's here's a question. You've got like kind of forced retirements in the military. Pilots are only allowed to fly uh, to a certain age in um, anywhere. Uh, is it ages to say that you can't be in Congress past a certain point in your life? I don't think so. I think that like the common sentiment is is kind of agrees with that at this point like most people have come to recognize that like there are a lot of old people in congress and then we kind of need some new blood and in politics in general i think the average age of a congressperson now is like 64 or 65 that. like that that's absurd uh, diane feinstein's like 90 mitch mcconnell's 81 president biden is 80 uh president trump's 77 uh, like what what do you get out of that because it's not wisdom like the, the, the motors are just not turning as fast. I mean, like if you wanted to get a car, a performance car, all right, like that, that Corvette from the seventies is, is good. You're not going to take it out too often. Cause it might break down. Like we should probably look the same way at a politician. Like, Hey, like, you, you know, you, you could have a fiery speech, you know, as a 70 year old, but I, I can't take you on a, on a road trip. I just can't, I can't accept that risk. It looks like the median age in the Senate is 65. The median age in the House is 58. But I don't know what the average. Well, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know why they don't report the average, though. Anyways. But yeah, I think, uh, you know, we should, uh, you know, encourage young people to run for, for office. Well, it's hard to because, they're, uh, well, especially then for, for president, I should say, like, you know, what, you have to be 35 to run. Um, I feel like Congress should should also have uh, an age requirement of, like, 25 or 26, like, when you can rent a vehicle. Mm-hmm. Like, we, we entrust you enough to rent a vehicle. You can run for Congress. Um, but they sh- the conversely, the, you know, the presidency, you should not be old enough to collect Social Security to run for president. Um, and one of the things I don't understand is like America loves young prime ministers and foreign heads of state. Like, you know, uh, America really loved New Zealand's, mm. uh, prime minister, so like Norway's or, or Sweden or whatever. Uh, Canada's, they love Macron from France was pretty young. 
Um, and it's always like the older ones that are outside of America. People always take issue with like, you know, uh, Boris Johnson, not liked for his politics, also old. Uh, the former head of Italy, old, creepy, uh, not very well liked and embroiled in, in legal issues. Um, like individuals like that, we always attack as being like this weird old man, like crazy old man. And then you're like, well, what about our politicians? And they're like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, they're American. We, we know they're on the up and up. Like, you know, it, it's just, I don't know, it's nuts. Again, it's like we put blinders on to the issues that are here um, for the same things that we criticize others for. Yeah, I think uh, there's something to say about the old, you know, politician in America and how, you know, we have Trump and Biden that are running. And then you have RFK, who's also kind of old too, but. Yeah. What happened to, like, the JFKs, the Barack Obamas? I don't know. I mean, you have to have, like, a social movement behind you. And I don't think. I don't think anyone's going to get that unless, like, a mainstream media, like, presses in like for instance uh tim scott i think would be a good candidate for the republicans Mm -hmm. he's younger he's sensible he doesn't have any of like the extreme baggage that like president trump governor DeSantis uh brings to the table um for the democrats i think you'll see more people kind of throwing their hat in the ring but uh even like a, a a senator mansion right like that dude's old like, so he's not President Biden old, but he's still very, very old. Um, uh, who's the who's the senator out of Arizona? Not not Gildebrand. Um, people don't like the one that like people followed into the bathroom because she tried to have like um, a coming together moment with the Republicans. Um, but like very far left protesters followed her into the bathroom and were screaming at her and protesting her. Like she could have been at one point, a good candidate for presidency, like a very middle of the road, but, uh, the liberal media doesn't want to get behind her because it's like, it's not the extreme side that gets the ratings up. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the one that's going to make a statement that is going to have Republicans freaking out and generate more ad revenue. Um, yeah, I think that, when we get to that point, maybe we'll have a younger person in office when, you know, we're not driven by the bottom dollar. Also, I was talking about like a younger, uh, uh, PM, uh, Trudeau blaming stuff on like American right-wing extremism for the stuff that's going on in his country. Oh my God. Like sock Ray blue, uh, Canada. Uh, what the hell? Just stick to your poutine. Like, nobody cares. Don't blame us for your issues, okay? Like, your maple syrup isn't as good as the stuff you can get in Vermont. Your poutine, I guarantee you, I'm going to be there in a couple of weeks, so don't arrest me, but your poutine is not as good as some of the gastro pubs in New York or even in Savannah. Um, and you're skiing, you have Whistler. That's it. Quebec. We have, you have Whistler. We have all of the Pacific Northwest, all of the Rockies, all much better. We don't have a single road that goes through. We have many a road. So the next time that I hear Canada blaming stuff for the United States, um, I really hope, like, uh, was it Trey Parker and Matt Smith from South Park, like, re-release a Blame Canada song because it's completely uncalled for, and uh, I'm offended, sir. I am I'm deeply offended you would blame us for your shortcomings. Yeah, I think, I mean, Canada is just essentially, you know, North America or North USA, I guess. 
Oh, no, no. Don't af- do not insult the United States like that. Because you know what we have here? We have winners in America. When's the last time a Canadian team won the Stanley Cup? I don't know. Your whole country is about hockey and curling, yet you don't ever win. I don't, I don't even want to be associated. In fact, if we could take North America and like do some sort of like rift and just make a giant uh, conveyor belt that then pushes that place north, let's bring Greenland in. I'll replace Canada with Greenland. Uh, Canada will get into a much colder environment, so all of those forest fires that are coming up there that you know is turning my air orange out here gets replaced by you know Greenlanders, and the Canadians can enjoy like a much cooler climate, which is what they've always wanted. But stop blaming America. I I do not. That is not America Junior. That is not our you know northern cousin. If it's if it is our cousin, it's that weird one that you were definitely not inviting to the wedding, and then somehow five years later at someone's funeral, you're going, oh, I can't believe I forgot to send the in invite we totally missed you well sacre bleu (laughs) your cheese curds suck go to wisconsin for better like i don't know what to tell you good point anyways what are you doing canada Uh, i got a buddy's bachelor party which i'm excited to see him and see some people i haven't seen since i graduated undergrad but uh canada i was like we're in canada canada wait why why canada we're in canada (laughs) I'd, i'd love to uh, was it Ontario? You're, That's a city. You're in Toronto? No, no. I'm going. Am I going to Quebec? There's only I don't three even, cities in Canada that you could potentially like visit. Okay, let me <laughs> let me There's look at my flight itinerary. <laughs> Quebec. This is so bad. Uh, or like flight. Montreal or like Toronto? Maybe maybe Montreal. Okay, Air Canada. Flying Air. Oh, great. I'm about to get picked <laughs> up when I get there. Montreal. I'm going to Montreal, which is even better. I'm going to the French part of Canada. The Canadians don't consider as part of Canada. Yeah. Montreal's nice. I do like Montreal. I'm excited to go. I mean, it looks pretty. Um, They've got that river that goes Mm -hmm. through it. I was reading a lot about the fur trade, and I used to watch that um, Frontier show with Jason Momoa. Um, So I'm very familiar with some of the cool history uh, surrounding there, as well as the American history with... Uh, French and Indian War and all the fur trading that went up there. I mean, it's a sweet place. It looks pretty, but um, you know, I don't want to be judged for being American and and you know in Canada. Yeah. I mean, I won't care, but you know, I don't even want people thinking they have the privilege of looking down at me for being American. You know, we did love. Like, you don't uh, even have that right. We did love Montreal when we was in Montreal, which Christina and I did back in 2020 ish. I'd like to go to Vancouver. Vancouver looks really cool. Yeah, Vancouver is really cool. We still have yet to go, because mostly because it's such a pain in the ass in the army to do anything Oconus. I used, yeah. I remember like when I was like you know a second lieutenant and stuff to go Oconus. I just gave him. I just said I was gonna go Oconus. I'm doing this bullshit, and now like you have to do like all this like you know you have to get security clearance approval. You have to go through like the security office here at, at Madigan to get approved to go Oconus. Like, to go to Japan last year took me about, like, a month to navigate the process to get all the approvals and shit. I don't, I, I truly don't understand, like, how, you know, when I was a second lieutenant, I could literally just say I'm going to this country and then peace out. I went to China. I went to yeah. China as a second lieutenant. Which I'm sure. It was fine. You're still going to be, you're still being investigated. You don't know this yet, but, uh, you know, they've been looking into you. Did I ever tell you the story when I came back from China when I was a second or first lieutenant? I got, like, debriefed by CID for a while. Did I tell you that? No. Yeah. No. Well, I think I was. I was still in the second. I was in the seventy fifth too. So maybe that was part of it. Why? 
but like they like had a meeting they like debriefed me like oh what'd you go do what'd you do there blah 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 and then in the vid they were like if you're interested we do have uh some you know this organization that looks for individuals such as yourself to do intelligence work i'm like turn I'm, I'm going to fucking i'm going to med school don't don't give me this right now i'm leaving to go to med school you're the, you're, <laughs> you're the turncoat you're the the spies like us yeah i'm like i'm, <laughs> going, I'm going to med school Third- but i was like it's such a weird like you know debrief like half an hour talking about like my trip like all these other trips i've taken like you know international trips i've taken which i report all of them you know for my security clearance and so like i did everything by the book but at the end of it he's like yo by the way uh you know if you're interested you know, we, we are always looking for individuals such as yourself to uh, work intelligence. I'm like, no, no thanks. Oh, yeah. Well, I also love that, uh, you know, Americans were always shocked. Like, can't believe they sent that spy here. Can you believe they would spy on us? And you're like, what do you think we do? Yeah. Like, do, like I, I, we have we have so many, like, naive Americans that just go like, like, for instance, like the, the Chinese spy balloon that we let go across the entirety of the United States of America over, like, sensitive sites. People are like, can you believe that? Like they were drawing, you know, data off of us. And you're sitting there going, we, don't we do the exact same stuff? We just have better technology where we don't have to send a fucking weather balloon. Like we can do it with a plane or we can do it with a satellite or we can do it with human or SIGINT. Like we're not, we're not, you know, having like 600 people standing there just blowing up a single balloon and going, I hope the wind takes it. Like. Not, to, I mean, that technology was much, you know, better than that. But, you know, to to speak in an extreme, there, it's uh it's weird, man. Um, you know, trust your government, though. Yeah. And I did another buddy, one of my Santa Fe buddies, that went to go work in the uh, D.C. area, so to speak. You know what I'm saying? You pick up what I'm putting down. Mm-hmm. He tried to recruit me as well, and I'm like, dude, I'm not interested. I'm a doctor. <laughs> yeah. I mean, DC has a huge, uh, you know, food scene now. So I'm not, inter- um, I'm not interested in like living in DC though. That's my thing. I was like, oh, dude, no, I would never Nova. live in DC. Oh my, oh my, no. Like, if if you're listening to this and you're considering getting out of the army, uh, I highly recommend not living anywhere in the the DC area. Uh, 495, 395, I-95, place is awful. It's very humid. Like absurdly humid in dc compared to like anywhere else on the northeast um you don't have access to the beaches that you have like in the tri-state area uh let me put it to you this way i would live in delaware which i think has the highest production of milk in the country or more chickens than humans i think is the t- statistic um then i would you know before i would live in the dc area again. Delaware's dope man i love delaware Dude, Delaware is boring. I, I drove through there uh, years ago to get to the Iron Man, and I was just like, "What? How? What is here?" I mean, I can see now why President Biden was was made a senator there. There were like six people that probably voted. Did I ever tell you I met Biden when he was a state senator back in the nineties? No, you didn't. Yeah, we, uh, you know, growing up, we uh, like a Chinese when Chinese school every Saturday. And then every year they do like a Chinese American festival and Biden came one year. I got to meet him when I was like, I don't know, like 10 or 11 years old or something like that. It was pretty nice. Pretty nice in the nineties. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, it's probably 70 years old at yeah, the point. Yeah. So I'm sure he's just a nice grandfather. Then, <laughs> By the way, I know we talked about it the last time. I will reiterate it. Uh, speaking of China, 
the show warrior on I know. HBO Max. You're like the third, I know. I need to watch it. I'm not the third person. I'm the first person you that are brought the first it up. Person, but, but you are now in a series of like three or four people that keep telling me to watch it. So it's on my list. I will watch it. Well, speaking of on your list to watch it, you know, uh, for those of you that have been listening for years to our our awesome discussions here, know that Bobby and I used to snuggle at RASP and watch Kung Fu. We're going to be in Colorado in a couple of weeks, and we get to do the exact same thing. I will tell Alyssa and Christina to shove off, uh, and I will put on some of the awesome fight sequences, and they can come bother us later. Are you guys? Are you staying the hotel? Uh... Yeah, we're gonna. I, that's what we had to call because we RSVP'd, but we haven't gotten any like confirmation yet. Uh... So um, we we're planning on doing that. We're gonna come in thursday yeah. i think we're doing saturday in denver though and then flying out sunday okay. so let's find some more what we're doing all right i'll talk to you we'll yes but we're gonna be we're gonna be in this i dude what i think the last time i saw you was july 4th before i started law school yeah th- is that accurate yeah i believe so because i brought rocky down and rocky and meatball did not like each other no no meatball and rocky were not friends although they should have been they're both little jerks yeah, little assholes did I see you? You came to Jersey at one point in med school, didn't you? No, I saw you when you were in law school. I came up to the city before I moved out. Oh, yeah. Because, we, yeah, we went and we got Bobo tea. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so, okay. Uh, Dan, you and Dan okay. were in, uh, what's it called? Stytown. Stytown, yeah, Stytown. Okay, to, to shift towards, like, the end where we wrap things up and people just hear us bullshit, uh, how excited are you for the Eagles this oh, year? I'm so excited. I'm, one, I'm getting, like, the NFL package on YouTube so I can watch every game. It's so expensive. The throwback jerseys. That, you, was it 180 No, like, the, the NFL package on YouTube TV? Yeah. I thought it was, like, $300. It's, like, really expensive. Oh, my God. No, I'm not doing I'm not paying for that. I just want to watch the Eagles. I don't know why when I live in New Jersey, like, when I've got – a shitty team in the Giants, a shitty team in the Jets, and the only team that's good within 100 miles is the Philadelphia Eagles, and I can't watch a single game except when it's prime time on a Monday night. Like, that blows my mind. Yeah, I usually just stream the games, honestly. i got to just find a way to make my geographic location outside of Philly and not Portland. Mm. Yeah, I don't know why yours is Portland. I don't know, man, but I'm getting spun up on all the Portland is trying to open a warehouse for trucking. I found that out this morning. People were upset. I was like, this does not affect me out in Western New Jersey. Man, Portland would be such a cool town and city if it wasn't so bad. Yeah, it's gotten off. I mean, like I, I thought for years, like when I get out and I establish myself somewhere in the country, one, I never thought Jersey was going to be it. Um, I'm still like, it's taking time to process that. I always saw myself in like a California, Oregon, Washington. Um, but, you know, in order to, to get a job, you need to be around one of the major cities. And, and quite frankly, dear Western states, you're not doing much to incentivize me to come out there any longer. Yeah, the Northwest is awesome, but that's very true about living like near the big cities. Like the rest of, every, you know, the rest of Washington is like pretty rural outside of the I-5 corridor. Like to the east of the I five quarter, you get the mountains, and east from Washington is just like farmland and like barren. And what I would say to those states is like, try to get me to come out there. I've got everything you want. 
a more liberal political affiliation, tattoos. I have so many Birkenstocks. I wear Tevas. I like wearing uh, LL Bean. I'm not into the trendy Patagonia, uh, you know, well, REI type is, facilities. Yeah, Arcteryx is pretty. I got a lot more Arcteryx now. Yeah, well, Arcteryx is going to be the way of uh, Canada Goose. Like, you know, it's just going to be so bougie. People yeah. want that. Lima Lima Bravo is the way of the future, uh, Pacific Northwest. But I've got everything you want, all right? Like soft features. I don't look like I can fight. Like these are the things you want in a citizen. Like for, invite me. Just clean your streets up, man. Like I'm not going to push my kid around if I've got to like, you know, step over and worry about my toes getting stuck and, and getting a, a toe hurty from a fentanyl needle. Mm-hmm. Do you do fentanyl through a needle or is it smoked? How, I'm so smokes. What they do is they have a piece of foil. So if you see people walking around a piece of foil and a straw, that's how they do. That's how they smoke fentanyl. Is they put the pill on the foil and light it up and smoke. Isn't it. that, isn't that crack though? I thought crack was smoked like that. That is similar to crack. You freebase crack, and that's similarly smoked. But fentanyl is. You take the fentanyl pill and then you just smoke it that way. Oh, but isn't? I thought fentanyl was like injected, like because it's like a. It, don't people get that for like surgeries? Yeah, so fentanyl is like you know a synthetic opioid. Um, however, you know it's different regionally too like on the east on the east coast it's like heroin that's laced with fentanyl but on the west coast is strictly like just, just fentanyl people just want fentanyl pills oh damn and they just freebase the fentanyl pills or and them. that's what they're fighting over yeah the homeless camps yeah i hear that uh yeah. philly's really bad right now in terms of uh the heroin because they do well, there's that other one that's like that necrotic yeah, drug that's it's like the they're shooting in their yeah. legs. And it's like yeah. basically necrotic. That's so gross, yeah. man. It's so disgusting. I just... Yeah, Philly's pretty bad right now. Like, gone are the days where, like, the the worst drugs that people were worried about you doing were, like, marijuana and cocaine. And now it's, like, all this weird stuff that they grow in labs, and it's all science-based, and it's just, like, uber dangerous. Yeah. Also, you know, yeah, the opioid epidemic is shifting a little bit more. It's weird that like heroin's not even a thing anymore. Like heroin's not. No one does heroin anymore. No, but I mean the I mean the fentanyl. I just don't know where it came from. Like what? Like so you had the was it oxycodone that kind of created the opioid yeah. epidemic? At what point did it switch to fentanyl? Like I had never heard of fentanyl, uh, and then all of a sudden it's like fentanyl 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 i think it's because uh because they, they used to cut heroin with fentanyl to make it stronger and then people started liking fentanyl more because it's stronger than heroin and i think it's actually a lot easier to manufacture fentanyl as well whereas like heroin you have to like grow it you know grow the poppy plants you have to process the poppy and then produce heroin, whereas fentanyl, oh, you just didn't the taliban yeah, yeah yeah get rid of their pop but they now they're into meth is that what, I don't know. I think that's what I heard. Like someone was like, "Hey, I got great news out of Afghanistan. We couldn't stop the war on drugs. Taliban came in. They did a good thing to stop uh, opium production." And you're like, "Oh, it's weird, weird positive for them and the government." And then it's like, "But they've moved on to meth." And you're like, "Oh my god, <laughs> like guys." Fentanyl, I think, is a lot. It's not a happy make. story, and that's why China keeps shipping Mexico a lot of fent- like fentanyl precursors, and they make a lot of fentanyl in Mexico and the cartels. Because it's pretty easy to ship. Did Fox yeah. Did Fox News tell you that? That's what I, you know. Or OAN. I don't know who tells me that. Newsmax. <laughs> well, that's what I hear. 
That's what I hear. Um, You're going to be brought into a CID again. <laughs> we heard you have an inside source. Be like, damn it. No, I don't. I, I do not have an inside source. <laughs> yeah. Also, meth is like really big out here too in Washington. Christina like said it's, it's very interesting because like compare and contrasting the hospitals here on the West Coast versus the hospitals on the East Coast. The hospitals on the East Coast, like the patients need a lot more like narcotics because they're like very, you know, have a high tolerance to pain medications because they like, you know, use a lot of, you know, heroin and fentanyl. Whereas on the West Coast, you said a lot of patients don't need as much pain medications because they're not as, you know, more sensitive to it. It's very rare. Oh, weird. You know? it's very weird. Re- it's interesting how like drug practices are very regional. And I didn't really appreciate that until I moved out here too. Man, well, maybe, maybe we'll start our own state. You know what? I hear there's like a large area, a large territory that's north of uh, our country boundaries that, you know, could be, be liberated. Could be liberated. I think they have a large oil reserve. So <laughs> <laughs> we should find, you know, I guarantee you uh, if, if the fentanyl was coming in through Canada between the, the, the drugs and the oil reserves, we'd find a way to have to liberate them. Like, yeah. Oh no, we got to do it guys. I, they've got this awful dictator, Justin Trudeau. Like you've got, we've got to do something. It's our national right. Like yeah. I'll liberate Banff. Banff's a beautiful place. Just Banff. Anywhere BC like, actually. BC would be, be great. And then we'll bring a winning culture there. We'll have a hockey team that wins for once. World-class curlers. Uh, I don't know what else. I think the last, you know what? I think, I feel like a baseball team has won the World Series more recently than a Canadian hockey team has won the Stanley Cup. And that could be wildly incorrect, but I'm just saying from my recent memory. I don't know. I don't know nothing about baseball or hockey. Uh, I don't either. Dude, I, I like, I say I'm a Philly fan. I couldn't name you more than two. Of the Phillies, I couldn't name you any of the Flyers now. Yeah, I, don't the Flyers. Um, I could probably do three of the Phillies, yeah, three or four. And foot, I mean football. I'm a fan. I mean, like maybe five guys, but uh, you know, I'm just more about the. Uh, I like the green. You know, it's a good color. Kelly Green's come back. Can't wait. I can't yeah, wait. Kelly Green's we'll back. Start. I can't wait for football. Well, we're going to see each other in a couple weeks, so we'll have some photos that we can throw up. Uh, you got anything else before we wrap up? Uh, that's pretty much it. James is rapidly progressing in his clients, adding more and more clients, having some interns help him out now too. So if you're interested, you know, hit us up. James is looking for people to add to his team, and we can always get you part of the uh, the CrossFit fam. Curtis fam. Uh, that's about it. And we will we'll announce the Curtis uh, scholars here in the next week. So thanks for applying. Stay tuned. Thanks to the, we have a, I think this is our highest application pool yet. So, uh, super thrilled. We'll announce those guys, uh, or gals, uh, coming up, um, and, you know, continue that kind of legacy that the former Cronus scholars have, have developed. And the app is coming. It's coming. Oh yes. I'm literally, I'm, I'm one of the things that's holding it up now. I've got to finalize all the legal, uh, drafting that goes into it. So, uh, that I will get done. I'll use my degree. It's worth it. (laughs) Yeah, we're coming with the app. It's coming. It's coming. We're in some. Te- we're doing some more testing. But it's coming. It's getting there. Yes. Yeah, we've been saying it for a year, but like we we mean it. Like I really mean it. <laughs> All right, guys. I think that will end it for us. Um, hope you guys have a good rest of the week, and we'll catch you guys next time.
Peace. Later.